0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Two hundred
1: and fifty. Woo! Hey, hey! Numbers, bitch. It's two hundred and fifty. And <laughs> also has this. Has this? Does this microphone sound okay? I am trying a new one. Another one from Mitzi. Thank you. Yeah, Mickey, I mean, there please.
2: was there was a little shifting motion there, but it's. I just uh... I just moved it. Yeah, no, it, it sounds fine.
1: Good. Well, um, let's try this new microphone. I got this one, a Rode R O D E. The one I've been using is a Shure, S-H-U-R-E. Take this one out for a test drive. I had, Mitzi also gave me this awesome camera, but I don't have a tripod for it, so I just balanced it on top of the screen like a moron. And then as soon as you came on, I mean, it literally, like, it's, I mean, it's like a, like a hair thin, and I got it to stay, and then as soon as you came on, I think, I think the infinitesimal force of a new image appearing on the stream, that photon blast backwards, <laughs> whatever the pressure is of a single photon, that that push it's an awesome camera. It looks a lot better than the built in one in the Mac. I just need to get a tripod for it. So thank you, Mitch Purdue. Microphone and headphone. And hey. as I was just telling Roger, if there's anyone smart enough to know how to figure it out, and you might not even need to be intelligent, I just might be a moron, <laughs> is the diffuse lighting on a on studio lighting. Mitsubradue, again, Mitch Purdue, shout out Mitch Purdue. Give me some studio lighting and it looks great. But I didn't know how to set up the contraption, so I just pointed the lights at me, and, and I got a migraine. And so I took, some, I took some aspirin, and now I have all the lights down super low because I have a headache. But so it seems to me that I am the limiting reagent in this reaction of uh, technology is here. I'm too stupid to use it. So it's, it's, there's a calculator, but I'm an ape, and I don't know how to use it. Calculator it, works I, fine.
2: I just had to drive 80 miles each way to set up a Chromecast for my dad. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's like he needed something to cast the uh, screen for his new computer onto the TV so he could do the recliner thing and all. And,
1: uh, Boy, that's what you're for. That's what sons are yeah. for.
2: Yeah. Well, that's that basically how it worked out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but I've been playing that video game, Hitman the last couple days I've, <laughs> I've never played it i've never it, i don't know i think that game's been out forever i've never played yeah, it's it.
2: been out for a while i mean they, lo- they had time to make a movie out
1: of yeah, it yeah there's hitman there's hitman 2 <laughs> i didn't even realize i had bought hitman 2 so i was just i don't how i start hold on, hold on. excuse me <laughs> i'm splitting headache, <at> it dude <laughs> how i play video games is as i've told you i mute them But even without the whole Audible thing, just in general, how I play video games, even if if I'm going crazy and turn on the volume of the video game, you know, really let my hair down. I don't, I, I turn, I like to turn off the mini maps. I turn off the, why haven't I maximized the screen yet? I'm a moron. I turn off the mini maps. I turn off and I turn off tutorials and hints and everything. And I just, I turn off subtitles. No, what I like to do is I just like to like AI learning. I just like to go in and be like, what is the purpose of this game? And I'll just go in, I'll shoot somebody, and I'll get mowed down. I'll be like, okay, I can't start shooting at a at a party. And I'll just kind of play games. And it will take me like five times longer than most people to beat a game, but it's my favorite well, that, way to it. That's really
2: the purest way to do it, though. It's I remember even when uh, I think it was either Doom or Quake started doing that, and, and I was like, well, this isn't like you're experiencing it like a human being. It's just like you're experiencing it like some kind of super intelligent asshole or something, Yeah, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't like knowing the rules. I just like, that's my favorite thing is to just like turn off everything. You know, like Watch Dogs, the game where you're like a hack, it's like the most cheesy like hacker man thing ever. You know, everything is like double keyboard hack. I'm in the mainframe now. <laughs> but I love doing it and not knowing any, not having any hints, no tutorials, and you just mess around with something. And then like... You unlock something, like, 100 hours of gameplay in. You're like, oh, I can, like, remotely use a forklift with my phone. And it just changes <laughs> the dynamic entirely. Now you're driving a forklift with a gas can on it out into the middle of the road and blocking the cops. And you're creating, like, IEDs. Yeah. And it's,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, if what you want to do is live the narrative that the game is trying to recreate, then that's the way to do it. Because yeah. if you're using all of these little cheats and stuff, then yeah, it's, that's that's not the way that you would be. If that's not being the main character in the story, that's yeah. being someone who's read the story yeah. and is playing the main character. Yeah,
1: that yeah, right. That'd be <laughs> that'd be like if I just got like hints on like episode three, like a, a hint just popped up in my. In my vision, and it was like, "Hey, Tommy, for your for your podcast, do this." And I'll be like, "Oh, okay, let's do this." But instead, <laughs> yeah. it's just brutal. Like after a hundred episodes of fucking up, and it's like, I should change something. So,
2: so anyway,
1: anyways,
2: Roger uh, Williams, you, you asked the me data. to come up with a topic. I did, and I did. Uh, what I plan to talk about is ultimately big data. Big data. And particularly because you mentioned that cute little predator drone that flies around with all the cameras underneath it and oh, takes pictures yeah. of everything like a panopticon. Yeah. And in a similar vein, we have a Louisiana municipal police department that is asking everybody in sight to register their ring doorbell cameras so that they can monitor them 24-7, which is essentially the same thing, just with different data sources. Yeah. Oh, and I saw Eagle Eye. You did? Yes. Did you like and it? You- Yes, you were right. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, and the, uh, the one of the things that I'll say about it is that uh, I noticed that it was like a 26 percent tomato meter with the critics, but 62 percent with audiences. Yeah. No, fuck and I've noticed critics. that when you have that divide where audiences like it better than the critics do is generally one that dad and I would go see and we would like. Yeah. Because, you know, the critics were like, well, they just blew shit up and all. But it was it was uh, the, the action. Actually, it was a lot of fun. It's fun. and. It's not an original idea. Actually, if you see the movie I recommended, the Forbin Project
1: I haven't yet. You,
2: you will you will find that Eagle Eye is almost a modernization remake of the Forbin Project. Really? The, the plots are very Don't, similar.
1: I haven't watched the basic it yet.
2: ideas. There, there 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 is a lot of commonality between the two movies, except for the fact that they were made forty years apart. Sure, yeah and uh so and, and it's a lot of fun to draw the comparisons with that too yeah uh, but anyway the whole thing is that this uh this whole ability to record all the data and keep it forever is mm-hmm. a new thing mm-hmm. it has only been uh possible for really 10 years or so um
1: think so only 10
2: you saw the beginnings of it uh, 15 to 20 years ago, but as far as being able to just keep everything everywhere from everybody, uh, really 2010 is where I would put the gate for that. Okay. But anyway, I'm going to do the typical Roger thing, and I'm going to talk about that by going back way further and talking about some other phase changes that have occurred and what they meant okay. and how they changed the way that people used uh, computers and computing capacity to see what this might mean, since this is also a new thing. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to the beginning in the 1940s, when computers were invented, they were basically glorified calculators that were automatic. So they were basically tools for solving math problems. And in fact, you had to be a pretty sharp mathematician slash programmer yourself to get them to do anything useful. Uh, This remained the case for practical purposes throughout the early 80s for, uh, for like 40 years. That's what computers were. And that's one of the reasons they were so mysterious and people found them scary and uh, difficult to understand because they didn't really know what they, these things are used for. Yeah. But for the most part, what they were used for is to solve mathematical problems involving numbers. Yeah. Now, it might you might need the computer because you had a lot of numbers because it's your accounting system okay and it's all your transactions and collating everything or it might be because you're uh the thing you're trying to calculate has a lot of steps like you're trying to calculate pi to half a million decimal places okay so that doesn't take a lot of memory but it takes a whole lot of steps um, and as uh things progressed that's pretty much how it stayed you didn't have people doing what we consider media you didn't have people processing text what you had was mathematical problems and the early games, which uh, games are kind of a sideline to the argument that I'm going to be making today because for the most part, games have followed what the computer could do. They haven't driven what computers can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only exception very recently, you have the graphics processors for 3D games, but that's a sideline. That's a, that's a niche. That's not the kind of uh, mainstream sort of thing that I'm going to be talking about. What I'm talking about is if you find a random computer somewhere on the face of the earth, what is it most likely to be being used for? And until the mid 80s, that was going to be either mathematical problems, hydrodynamics, such as the
1: hydrogen hydrogen bomb.
2: bomb, but also things like river flow, simulating the weather, uh, stress calculations for mechanical assemblies. Uh, so you had this, but again, that's not something that your average uh, individual user is doing. You, you have a few power users who are buying big, what, are, what were then big computers to do those things. Uh, but what most computers were until the mid eighties were either uh, toys, you know, they were educational toys the games that they uh made it possible to play were themselves the stuff of educational toys the the whole thing is the game would suck you in into trying to figure out how the computer works and so you would learn how the computer works and the next thing you know some engineering firm can hire you and you can write fortran programs to do real shit. but that you know those games were not the end thing they you know uh People are looking for stuff these computers could do. But if you ask yourself about word processing, the TRS-80 Model 2 could not display lowercase characters. The Apple II couldn't display more than 40 columns. The Commodore 64 and all of the other computers that use your TV set as a monitor couldn't display more than 40 columns, which may be miserable for use Is serious word processing machines Now there were hardware fixes For a lot of those machines There was a ROM upgrade for the TRS-80 That made lowercase possible There were upgrades for the Apple And for uh, the Commodore And for other computers of the day That made 80 columns possible Of course that meant you had to buy a monitor Because you can't use your TV set anymore But those things were expensive They were niche uses So yeah, if you're a professional writer Then you might invest in this but if you're a random nerd user, then you probably haven't done this. And plus, all, at those days, all that hardware required software packages that were aware of it. Mm-hmm. In fact, that was even true of sound cards until the 90s. You know, it's like you, the game you're playing has to be aware of the particular model sound cards you have. or It can't even make beeps and whoops and play t- tinny music.
1: What do you mean aware?
2: The guy who wrote the game has to include the driver for that hardware in the game there's no operating system that mediates it's like on modern computers the if i write a program that wants to play a sound i just tell the operating system here's a file with a sound play it the operating system doesn't care how your sound hardware works right now i'm using this usb connected thing i've got my Wife, uh, My Bluetooth headphones I normally use to listen to music. They have a microphone in them, but it's crap, which yeah. is why I'm not using them. Yeah. There's the built-in hardware. For my program, they're all the same okay. because the operating system levels it out. That was not really done until the 90s for, uh, for most computers. So if your game wanted to have sound, if you wanted to do – like Duke Nukem 3D had – I'm here to kick butt you know, yeah, and chew well, gum. Too... Well, in order to play that clip, Duke Nukem had to have the hardware driver for the particular sound card that you had built into it. And you would select that when you were setting the game up. That would be part of the game setup. What sound card do you have? So none of this is practical. Okay, you know, this is something that the hardcore users would do, but the, your average guy is not doing stuff like this.
1: And now he, I need to I need to email you something after this. It's a it's as soon as you said Duke Nukem, I've just started losing. There's this fucking meme. It's like a 10 second video some dude made, but it's called Dick Kickem. It's so stupid. It's like third grade humor. But he's like, my name's Dick Kickem. He's like, I'm here to chew dick and eat ass. And I'm, and the guy doing the voice can't keep. He's like, and end
0: of all out
1: of end. and it's. It's you have to have the maturity of an eight year old, but it's as soon as you said Duke Nukem, well, that, you that game flying back that, into my head.
2: <laughs> that was an example of where the games pushed the uh, yeah things. You know the uh, the guy who wrote the video engine for Duke Nukem. This is kind of a sidetrack, but, sure. uh, but he was a big fan of ID in their early games, and he decided he wanted to write one of his own. So he wrote what was basically a fanfic game. He wrote his own video engine. He wrote his, you know, his own thing. And they licensed his engine to do Duke Nukem 3D. Uh, So this was something where uh, as a teaching device, the computer taught this guy to program. And this was all done in like assembly language Mm -hmm. and low level stuff. And you had to be really aware of how the hardware works to get maximum performance for it to do anything useful. So this is kind of where computers were. This is what you would use the computer for. It's almost to teach yourself computers was the purpose of the computer. And that was pretty much the case until the mid 80s. And several things had to happen simultaneously to change that. You needed a display device that can display a decent amount of text, upper and lower case, with some emphasis markers, and that pretty much meant you had to have a monitor un- unless you were doing it. Now the, the Coleco Adam booted into a word processor and I had one. I had a Coleco. And uh, and that was cool because that was a super cheap machine and very capable, but it was the first consumer machine that didn't boot into a programming language. You know, if you think about it, if you bought a Commodore 64, or an Apple II or a TRS eighty all of those machines started up by putting up a prompt that said ready. Mm -hmm. And you needed to learn some commands to tell it what to do. Okay. The atom boots up into an electric typewriter. You can type shit on it and print it on the daisy wheel printer that comes with the system. And that daisy wheel printer was a big thing too, because at the time your typical computer printer was a piece of crap. And a lot of publishers had told their people, we do not want to see manuscripts printed on a 9-pin dot matrix printer. It's too hard to read. It's crap quality. So that drove – well, 24-pin dot matrix printers came pretty quickly, and they uh, they were almost good enough. They They were gradually accepted. But if you were really serious, you got a daisy wheel printer because that produced output that looked exactly like a typewriter, because it was a hammer knocking on the daisy wheel pedals, just like the mm-hmm. hammers of the typewriter knocking against the ribbon and all. And so you, you, the publisher could not complain. Mm-hmm. This looks just like something that came off a typewriter. That's what they expect. Yeah. But they're slow, they're noisy, they're not as capable because they can't do graphics, so it's compromised. And again, most people who are not serious writers didn't do that, they mm-hmm. didn't have this. So there's this confluence, though, in the in the mid-80s. You, know, you had like the Osborne Model 1, the first portable computer. It was portable because it was only the size of a suitcase and it only weighed 20 pounds, so you could lug it around. And it didn't have batteries, so you still had to plug it in. Yes. But you could take it to the hotel room and actually do work if you were on a book tour or something. Oh, and it cost like 2500 bucks in the
1: 1970s. But that's, that's so some, that's still baller. You had a fucking yeah. suitcase computer in the 19. That's James. That's you're a step above James Bond.
2: Oh, it was.
1: Rest in Very peace, Sean Connery. Eh? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I I have one that I bought at Goodwill for like 25. dollars Years and years later, I couldn't resist it just to have yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. This this drives don't work right anymore and all, but it's but it's just like because this is one of the things that changed the world. It was a few years ahead of its time, but where everyone started to get on the bandwagon was around 1985 give or take a couple of years that's when the pc the ibm pc came along and everybody had dedicated monitors for it you had monitors that could display 80 columns upper lowercase you had hercules monitors later you had vga cga monitors were not so good but the machine itself had enough memory had enough uh, uh, mass storage they all had disk drives that was, so you had the combination you had enough ram to hold a good window of the text you're working on to do, to deal with text, you had enough mass storage, random access mass storage, tapes don't cut it, to, to hold your whole document. If it's a novel, uh, The Metamorphosis of Prime and Elect is about 60 kilobytes.
1: By Roger Williams, available on Kindle and hardback, paperback, and com as well as Amazon. Yes. Be the top link, right. end of the bio.
2: Okay. Now, as many people like to point out, it's a short novel. It was a typical novel. It's a
1: great novel.
2: Yeah. But but it is a typical novel of the 60s as far as length. It's okay. about 60,000 words, and it takes about 60 kilobytes uh, of disk storage to store the image longer novels you start getting into when they were selling them by the pound in the 70s well it was a good thing floppy drives were getting denser because you might need that 720k or 1.44 meg uh three and a half inch floppy drive uh Those were your gold standards in the 80s as far as portable data transfer. So you need to bring it between different computers and stuff. Uh, But you had that. You had printers. The early laser printers were completely out of reach for normal people. But you started to have 24-pin dot matrix, and they weren't too expensive. And the publishers and people like that started to to be a little less pissy about it. Uh, And all of a sudden, in the mid-late 80s, everyone was word processing on their computers. You suddenly had a lot of computers that the only thing they were used for was word processing. Maybe games too, because all computers are used. It's like all computers are used for whatever games the computer is capable of. But if you had a computer that was earning, that was being used for something important, that was making someone money or making their living, before 1985, it was mathematical. They weren't okay. doing text.
0: Okay,
2: By 1990 a lot of those computers were being used strictly for word processing, text processing, because you could, uh, you could go in and, and, you know, edit your stuff and correct errors and all without printing 27 copies as you went along and using a bunch of whiteout and reams of paper. And it made it possible. I personally cannot write without a word processor. When I was in high school, there were no word processors. They didn't exist. And I, I, had a dream of being a writer, but I really couldn't make it work because I could not get my thoughts onto the page
0: yeah,
2: fast enough yeah. and accurately. Now that was a skill that I might have learned eventually if I had no choice. Yeah. To this day, you've got people like Joe Haldeman who prefer to work on a manual typewriter. That's the way they learned. That's their habit. But no, I needed a word processor and there's a lot of people like me out there yeah. that, you know, yeah. that, that made the difference. So you had all these college students writing their term papers and, uh, this this sort of thing and that had not been a thing at all before the mid 80s by 1990 i would speculate that if you did the pick a random computer see what it's being used for thing it was probably more likely to be being used for word processing than anything else Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, that happened about the same time for businesses, too, because even though computers that could handle text were available in the late 60s and 70s, if you were willing to spend ten dollars or $15,000 on them, businesses weren't spending that money to put a computer of that power in front of a secretary. That's why they have secretaries. They have a typing pool. The way you rework a document is you mark it up and you give it to the secretary and you ask her to retype it. That's the way that technology worked until those machines got cheap enough to put one on every executive's desk yeah. and tell them, you need to learn to type yourself.
1: Yeah. Before, We're sending her yeah.
2: down to the – yeah. Yeah.
1: Before okay. that, it was just whiskey and cigarettes and you know a lot of womanizing and grab ass.
2: <laughs> this is what I want, Pam.
1: <laughs> and it was good yeah. for a while.
2: Hey, oh man you seriously overloaded your new microphone there really <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> Oh, okay fuck did it get way too loud
2: it, it started distorting
1: okay how, how about now how about now oh, it's it's
2: it, it's fine at normal volume but yeah you did that little shout and and it, it seriously overdrove your mic okay Something...
1: okay hey learning process baby steps but yeah, hey, so, yeah yeah
2: that's why i'm trying to help okay Whew. thank you
1: so yeah so, now, so we yeah.
2: reached reach like roughly 1990. OK. Now what you're doing here, what you're not doing on your computer in 1990 is viewing any kind of entertainment media at all. Period. OK. Unless it is some kind of game that has been made very carefully so that it is uh, within the capabilities of the computers of the day. You're not listening to music. You're not watching, t- God, you're not watching video. Nothing is capable of that. You you don't have the mass storage. You don't have the processing power. You don't have the file formats. Okay. What
1: government probably did.
2: Not really. That's, that's really? the things. A bunch of things came together in the mid nineties. Okay. Okay. One of the first was the compressed formats for music, pictures, and video. Uh, around 1995 was when you finally saw the public consolidation of the JPEG, the MP3, and the MPEG movie formats for doing uh, compressed things. All of those reduced the amount of data you needed by a factor of about 10. So before that, you had digital video. You had compact discs. Compact discs are digital video. They had those in the early 80s, but they depended on the plastic disc, which had a massive data capacity 600 megabytes which in 1982 was like wow yeah yeah that's, okay yeah so but in the beginning the only way you could make a cd was by creating a die and casting this is a very expensive process that was only worth it if you're making a whole shitload of
0: them yeah yeah
2: uh so they they didn't have recordable cds until again the mid 90s that was another thing that came about was they figured out how to make this die style instead of the aluminum foil uh thing uh, to use that format um, but your hard drives in the 90s were like i bought a computer in the in the early 90s my first portable computer was a tandy fd uh, or hd 1400 it had a 20 megabyte hard drive okay hey i was impressed i mean it's like man i can put every text document i ever create on this thing i'll never need a bigger one
1: that's how i feel with my 10 no i i now i haven't now i have a 16 terabyte external i showed you mount weather yes of course you do yeah but yeah of course i do right i have a 16 terabyte and it's but it's it's the same sort of it's that freedom i'm like i fucking throw everything on that i'm like but now i'm kind of there's kind of a little bit of nervousness because I have all the podcasts on it and I'm looking at it and now it's at like 5.5 terabytes and I'm like, fuck, I'm actually going through it. I'm like, shit, it's actually... Okay. But yeah. Yes,
2: it is still finite. Yes. Okay, so in the mid-90s, you have hard drives approaching 100 megabytes toward the middle of the decade. Um, Now, with the compressed file formats... What that gives you is the ability to store a few songs on a hard drive Okay. real songs actual random audio not like tony tone encoded things for the uh, mario commodore vic chip or something yeah. but no real actual voice or music yeah and that had been impossible okay it had literally been impossible five years before okay in fact before the mid-90s, there was no video card for the PC-compatible computers that could display 24-bit video. If you wanted to display a photograph, you had to carefully process it to pick an appropriate color palette. It was a time-consuming process, to, and not all photographs could even be encoded in a way that could be displayed on a VGA display with a 256-color palette. It was not until the 90s uh, that you started to see 24-bit video cards. Apple had some. At, you know, in the late 80s, Apple was marketing hard to education and to graphic artists, people who were in like the magazine industry. So you had photographers, you had layout artists, and they were using these machines to actually manipulate photographs. Photoshop itself went back to like 1988. Yeah. But you needed a $20,000 machine to use it. Yeah to have enough memory to have a good enough video card and all well that stuff finally trickled down to ordinary consumers in the late 90s and so what happens is two things happen almost simultaneously and they both happened around 1998 on the sound front napster is founded
1: napster and then yeah yeah
2: now what happens there is you're still probably not using your computer to play music because your computer is probably a tower the laptops of the day were very inferior to the desktop computers and you needed a powerful computer to do this but if you could snag a cable modem or even if you were doing dial-up if you were dedicated enough you could download a song and downloading a three minute song probably took about 20 minutes if you were on dial up. But you had a big enough hard drive to, to store it and to play it to make sure it was good. And you had a big enough hard drive to download enough of those to make a CD. And then what you did is you burned them on a CD. It, yeah. And deleted the files yep. to make more room on your hard drive. Naturally. To put your CD, and and you would still listen to the CD with your CD, you know, with your audio dedicated equipment. But now you're able to download all this music and create a collection without paying for it, which is like, woohoo.
1: This is what I do every day with my podcast. <laughs> I take all the video, I kick it off to the hard drives, and in the fucking NORAD safe, kick it all off, clear it out again, and it's ready for a new... If, I, yeah. if I'm getting a little... If I'm, get, if, I, if I'm feeling a little dangerous, I'll i'll do two podcasts in a row and leave it on the laptop if i'm getting a little crazy if i'm if i want to play on the edge do i have enough memory who knows
2: (laughs) so uh so and that gradually starting in in the late 90s and uh Moving, in. I didn't get on Napster myself until uh, the early aughts, so it had become pretty advanced. You know, and, and I had a DSL modem when I started with it, uh, but you still had a lot of people who were on dial-up. Yeah. You every once in a while, you would encounter someone who was like on a university main you know mainframe hookup. And it's like I remember the time that I downloaded the entire Beatles White Album in five minutes flat.
1: Yeah, it was like which is which was insane. Yeah, you get on get on LimeWire. Yeah, I
2: was so impressed.
1: Yeah, when you picked up like a hundred songs in an evening, you were just like, I'm a fucking gangster.
2: And and the funny thing is that before this happened, I had laboriously gone through our entire vinyl record collection and digitized all of them, cleaned up the pops and shit that you know and and turned them into cds and then i took and downloaded all of those songs and made new cds that had obviously been encoded from cds in the first place and were much better quality from napster
0: yeah yeah yeah
2: <laughs> so this is the sort of thing that people were doing in the early 90s okay the other thing in video now pictures are about comparable to you know still pictures are comparable to songs in complexity uh but the use case for looking at still pictures on your computer is not very good because it's inconvenient it's it's not you know you don't want to put your family snaps on on the computer it's not the same as having a photo album Mm -hmm. where everyone can gather around Mm -hmm. okay and for sure you're not looking at video the video that you could display in 1998 was really crap. I mean if you display that video on a modern monitor, it's like about the size of a postage stamp unless you yeah. blow it up so much that you say, my god, this thing is so blurry. Who yeah. would put up with this? Yeah. Because if you were watching video on your computer in 1998, it was, it was porn. porn. <laughs> <laughs> Which? Full Ep- stop. Episode that was with, the yeah. Only kind of video that was worth messing with. It's the only on a thing.
1: That's the only thing you'd fuck with, literally and figuratively. Yeah. That's the only thing you would watch. Is that's the only thing that was worth yes. it? Was like, okay, I know it's got ten pixels, but boobs, and it's just like. Yeah. It was and, it. And,
2: yeah, because it was something you couldn't get anywhere else. Yes, you yes. couldn't get it by any other medium. So you put up with the crap quality and it was pretty much the same for still photos. Although the still photo porn was uh, much better quality in that day because you could at least download a VGA quality photograph that was like, at least not stupidly blurred. Yeah. But, uh, but that I've... was the thing. So you had, you had had the age of computers as number crunching devices then you have the age of computers being used as text processing devices, which was a completely new thing. It had not been possible before. And now you have computers as the engines of music and porn.
1: Yeah. And for everybody listening, go back to a way before with Roger Williams, he did a history of pornography. It's an awesome episode for all the new users or new listeners. Sorry. But yeah.
2: Yeah. So this is where things are in the early aughts. In the, in the the two thousands come now. I bought a computer in two thousand three, similarly to the way I had bought one a little over ten years earlier, because I needed to take a business trip. And I was mainly interested in having a portable computer I could do text processing on. And I was astonished when I got it home and realized that the optical reader was a DVD player, and the thing could play a DVD. I was like, seriously, this computer can play a video disc? Yeah. And that was the, the, the leading edge where actual watchable video was starting to be a thing. That machine had a 20 gigabyte hard drive. Now, a, a DVD has a capacity of about four gigabytes. So right there, you're about where you were in the late 90s with music, where you can put a few DVDs mm-hmm. on that hard drive or download one if you feel like sitting there for three days and then burn it onto a plastic disc so you can delete the image and download another. And I know people who had massive video collections that they built that way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But again, the hard drives are getting bigger. It's getting more and more practical to just leave your video collection on the hard drive. Plus, things like phones are starting to get to the point where you can play a movie on them. So you might take your sound you know you might not you know you, you yeah so you've got your hundred movies in 2010 on your terabyte hard drive and you might download a couple of them onto your phone to watch on your airline flight that you're about to take yeah uh but this is where things so you so now you have the age of video where you're starting to watch video now all that happens after this is things get easier and better and better quality uh the video goes from being the plastic disc so you can keep it on your hard drive to you got high definition as well as the old stuff and you're able to edit and create as well as just download and watch this is all what happened to music 10 years earlier until we reach the modern day when it's basically just means everybody has a fucking studio on their desktop in the form of their computer if they want to get the, the yeah the interface devices uh But there hasn't really been another age like that for consumer devices. Uh, When you ask where the next shoe is going to drop, some people think it's going to be virtual reality. And I don't think so because I think virtual reality is an inconvenient pain in the ass. I think it's going to remain a novelty. You're going to have the power users just like you've got the people right now who'll pay $3,000 for a GPU so they can play their game at 3,000 frames per second (laughs) or whatever. But it's not going to be a common use case to do something else new with the computer. I don't see what's going to be that new thing, but cause, but now you've got everybody in the goddamn world watching video on their computers. They've, they've got their computers hooked up to the internet and they're freaking streaming video to their TV set through the computer or through something like a computer. That's even simpler and stupider than a computer. But that's, the state of the art, you know, this is the age of video, and the thing is, the movie studios saw it coming, and they did everything they could to tamp it down. They saw what happened to the music industry,
0: yep. Yep. and
2: they 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 went balls to the walls on the offensive against it, and they've been yeah. playing whack a mole, yeah, for the last fifteen years, yeah. But they shut, you know, it's like okay, we you know they they they, they poison all of the BitTorrent seeders <laughs> and start prosecuting people and sending nasty grams to their ISPs and the guy, they, they come up with something else, yeah. and the dedicated people who really uh, are, are super into it—they they just come, you know, whatever the new thing is, they get into it. They find out how to make it safe. They have VPNs. They're they're doing whatever they need to protect themselves. And the you know, so the whole thing is is like, well, that particular thing isn't a common use case. Not everybody bothers to do that, but you know, more and more people are. Uh-huh. It's like, is like the number of complete computer Noobs that I have met who have a f- jailbroken fire stick. Yeah. Is like more than the number of actual programmers that I know in real life.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. You, so. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this beautiful digital Darwinian, really, it's a, it's a digital Darwinian dogfight. It's just, it's just ramping up more and more and yeah. it's at each other.
2: Okay. So, Video was the last shoe to drop for individual users. The last great age of new use for computers. Yeah. So we had we had number of crunching number of crunching boxes, text crunching boxes, music and porn, actual movies, and that's where we are. Only all of that stuff is more convenient and easier to do and better quality than ever. But there has been another age for businesses. And that is big data. Okay. Now, my leading edge onto this, when I am not writing transgressive web novels and doing podcasts with you, I actually build industrial control systems. So I'm building these computer systems that collect data. Maybe they're collecting all of the transactional data for the trucks that you weigh in and out of your plant, or all of the bags that you're filling on a filling line, or you know things like that. And so these systems generate data, and it's useful to collect this data so that it can be analyzed or reviewed later or whatever okay and up until about 2010 i had always had to put a mechanism in to delete the old data at some point to make room for the new data because you would fill up
0: Mm -hmm.
2: the car driver whatever storage i mean in the beginning it was floppy disks yeah and around 2010 i realized i didn't have to do that anymore it was like there's no reason to delete the old data the computers fast enough and powerful enough to go indexing through it if I want to keep it as a web archive. So a lot of the programs that I wrote, you know, there's there's a web archive that can be served with a web server. And the home page is a list of years. You click on a year, you get a list of months, you click on the month, you get a list of days, you click on that day, and you get all your transactions for that day. Boom. And in around 2008 2010 I started adding pictures to that so uh, I'm not going to name any names but uh, there was a particular customer that had a big fraud problem and uh, because their truck scales are located out in the middle of nowhere with individual operators and they had a problem with paying for things that were not what was delivered on the truck so we (laughs) built a system for them that would take a picture of the truck when they weighed it and recorded all the other data. Uh-oh. So uh, that comes off of uh, network IP cameras. Most of those have, uh, you know, of course, we all know they have that cute little interface that the video software uses and all, but most of those cameras have a URL that you can hit that will return the current frame as a still image. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy for me to write a program that hits that URL, grabs that frame, And saves it as a JPEG somewhere, creates links to it, whatever, okay? Now, about three years ago, I migrated a system for one of my customers who had been using one of these things for about five years. So he had four high definition pictures of every truck that he had weighed through his facility for five years the archive it was 10 gigabytes I
1: was About to say yeah the size of that <laughs> it
2: took it took three hours to copy it onto a thumb drive so i could move it to his new server and he was looking at me and going like well roger maybe you should de- delete some of this old data and i was like why no. this server has a 10 terabyte hard drive <laughs> this is less than a tenth of a percent of its capacity well we By gotta be time- careful. By the time you get to 1%, you'll probably have a hard drive that's 10 times bigger on the even newer server that you're going to install. So there's no reason to delete the data anymore. Never
1: delete data. Don't ever delete
2: data. that has become the norm everywhere.
1: Keep everything.
2: Uh, In the early 2000s, Gmail came out with this gigabyte on, you
0: know,
2: because before Gmail, even if you had uh, an online mail account, you had to delete your old emails, or your inbox would fill up, and you wouldn't be able to receive email anymore because your inbox is full. Yep. Well, Gmail comes along and says, "We're going to give you a gigabyte. Who's ever going to fill that up?"
1: Yeah. Well, now, well, yeah, full well, now, yeah. yeah, well, fucking they,
2: yeah. But I remember, you know, people were so that you know they were using Gmail accounts like G Drive is used today because there was no, nothing else like it. They they were using it to share files. They would like upload yeah. a file to their Gmail. Uh, account and then share the all the login credentials so other people could yeah. download it. And there was a thriving black market economy in Gmail recommendations because you couldn't just log on and get yourself a Gmail account. You needed a recommendation.
1: Yeah. So
2: if you could give a Gmail recommendation, that was cool. Yeah, that,
1: that, yeah, <laughs> that was some shekels. Yeah, right. It so was. You could, yeah. you
2: could get you you could get some quid pro quo for that shit. And now it's like i don't even know how many emails i got in my yahoo account the thing is you know i've got like every time i have ever sent anyone a program i've sent it with my yahoo account and I've, I've had people say do you have a copy of that program you sent me five years ago and it's like as a matter of fact i do as a
1: matter of fact i do <laughs> yeah that's hey man i've i think i have 27 gmails <laughs> no, I'm not kidding because I had 27 Reddit accounts because I, you know, I post my shitty memes and then upvote them. And then one day this past summer, July 2020, there was like a there was a night of like there was a night of the long knives. They, dumb, they killed yeah, dumb, 25 dumb. of my 27 accounts. <laughs> they fucking they pinned me. I had no way of knowing. I was surrounded, Roger. They killed me. But point being, yeah, you can just I just have them just to fucking yeah throw away. But
2: but the thing but the thing is too they can offer these services because storing the data has become so, so cheap.
0: cheap, yeah. It's
2: like if you pay for a Dropbox account, they don't just store your data. They store every version you've ever uploaded. Yeah. If you change a file, they don't delete the old version. You yeah. can find, which is why they say, it's like one, it's one of the safest things. If you get hit by ransomware, the ransomware will encrypt your Dropbox. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Oh, you just go to Dropbox and get the last version because they have every freaking version that you've ever uploaded of your files. It's beautiful. So you just delete the new encrypted ones and put the old ones back. It's beautiful. Uh, So but this is also true in every other sphere. It's become, you know, and, and it's like the progression with other things. It was true of text. At a certain point then a few years later it became true of audio and it became true of still pictures and then video to the point now if you have a security camera there's no reason to ever delete any of the footage and this is a phase change Mm. okay because now you've got first of all not only that but cameras have become so ubiquitous and so cheap and so uh, easy to put anywhere high you want, too, and yeah, you know, high resolution. It's oh yeah. Uh, so now it's like you never know if there's a camera. There, one of the major scandals uh, with Airbnb is people leaving freaking cameras running to monitor their thing when your visitors yeah, yeah. might be having sex or something. Which and fucking. It's like, how me. do you balance that out? Yeah, you know, okay, it's our house. We're renting it out, but we True. we want to make sure they're not trashing it. And they're like, yeah but we also don't always wear clothes when we're walking around the house that we're living in I, it's, um, it's,
1: it's that double-edged sword that will go that will go forever it's it's I was gonna say I, I, I have a kind of a I don't want to get on a sidetrack but I'll just put it out so you're, we can address it later they, you know obviously they say that they say intelligence agencies can look through your your apertures on everything you have One thing I was thinking of is uh, I was like we're going to find out in one in, in 50 years that not only can they look through but they actively recorded everything from everyone that there's just going to be like hundreds of exabytes of data
2: yeah well that's where we're going we're not quite there yet but that's where it's heading because there's a a police department in southern louisiana that has started asking everyone to register their ring doorbell cameras to monitor them 24 7 and it's the same thing as that predator drone but a lot cheaper yeah and the thing about that is even if you don't opt in if your neighbor across the street opts in and their cameras pointed at your house, then all your comings and goings are being recorded.
1: Is there going to be a market for like um, like digital cloaking? You can just throw up a fake image in front of your house, like a hologram?
2: That is not physically possible.
1: Shut up, Roger. I, there's no
2: technology like that. that Fuck
1: you. This podcast is over. Have a good night. Oh, it gets
2: worse. <laughs> oh, I'm not even getting started. OK, so you've got you've got these things going on uh and the you've got the incentive the perverse incentives okay you've got other data sources of course facebook has all of your interpersonal communications Uh with your friends Uh your family the not so secret members of your not so secret anymore society okay uh google maps most people do not realize records everywhere you go yeah and that's the way they build that cool traffic view display where do they get the data that they can tell there's a traffic jam on causeway boulevard it's because all of the other people running google maps their phone is constantly reporting their position and velocity so that the servers back at Google can go, oh man, the cars are not moving on this stretch of Causeway Boulevard. We yeah. need to turn it red.
1: Yeah, and it's that balance. is cool. That, yeah, and
2: the thing is, it's cool. That's it a is actually strength.
1: that's a really good thing, right? But you get yes, that balance. Yes, it is. Swords and plows. We're, yeah, yeah.
2: And where else are you going to get that data? But it also means that Google knows everywhere you have ever gone.
1: Why is that matter, Roger? Just <laughs> open up. Just allow Big Brother into your heart.
2: Well, I'm getting there. I'm getting okay. there. <laughs> so and uh there's a few other things like this you know it's it's it's, uh all of this data and no one has any incentive to ever delete any of this data yeah now they're supposed to the fig leaf that they hide behind is that they anonymize it they remove the individual identifying information so all they have is the, st- the statistical information of how many cars were moving at this speed on Causeway Boulevard they th- they don't they don't remember your IP address
1: of course not
2: uh-huh Yeah. If you believe that, I got a bridge to sell you. It's 24 miles long. Best bridge ever. Totally cool. The
1: biggest. Uh, It's the best, most golden American bridge (laughs) ever built by Americans.
2: It was. Yes. Um, (laughs) So the thing is, even if they're supposed to delete this data, even if they've sworn on a stack of bibles in front of the senate committee we have deleted all of this identifying information there's two problems one is that security researchers have gone through and shown if somebody is dedicated enough and interested enough in your movements and your stuff they can go through this anonymized data and they can still reconstruct the part of it that's you yeah there's enough data yeah if
1: you want none of these teams
2: are are good enough to really protect your privacy and the other is that any of these companies if they were really deleting this data someone would be fired that because that data is gold that
1: is money money money.
2: there's no way they are really deleting that data because that is so valuable yeah there's no way And, and i don't you know If you think they're really deleting that data, the Lake Pontchartrain Causeway is up for sale, dude. You
1: contact, contact Roger. You are, yeah, you can. T- I contact, will cut you a deal. You can contact Roger. Yeah, he. Uh, now,
2: what they are doing is because the thing is, it's very hard to prove that they have this data. You know, they're yeah. keeping it on the QT. Yeah, because it might be valuable one day. They're not supposed to have it today. Yeah, but. One day the environment might change. It might be okay to have this data. Yeah. Meanwhile, they might be able to use it. They're kind of in the same position that the allies were after they cracked the Enigma code. Yeah. Once you have all this intelligence, once you have all this data, how do you use it in a way that doesn't tip their hand? That
1: you have it. That yeah. you yeah. have it. Yeah, yeah. You can't and, let them know. You can't let them know, right?
2: And the most damning story I have ever heard about that was, was one you told me about the pictures on your iPhone that you take of the booze in the storage room at the liquor store. Oh, yeah,
1: and then it starts showing up on my Instagram.
2: Because you don't do anything with those pictures. I don't drink, and I don't upload them. Yeah, they're shit. shit. You don't upload them. You don't share them. All you do is look at them on the floor out in the liquor store to see what you need on the shelves.
1: For everyone listening, I worked at a liquor store for a while, and they have a big back room. You go in, you take pictures of the stock, and then you go out front, and you can make notes of, okay, we have Jack Daniels and we need Jack, blah, blah, blah. So I just have thousands of photos of just liquor on my phone. The other thing is that they're not worthy photos. They're not anything worth posting because I'm not 16 Let's eh, get drunk second of all I don't drink so yeah. and it starts showing even, up on my Instagram
2: yeah. what, what you do with it doesn't even matter the no, thing is they have it. the reason that they have these photos is your iCloud yes Apple yep your iPhone that uploads everything yep. to the cloud and the whole purpose of that is supposed to be that if you accidentally drop your phone in a battery acid when you go get the new one they can sync up all your data and make it just like your old one. And that is a fantastic feature, isn't that wonderful? It's a
1: great, it is, is that's a legitimately wonderful, great thing.
2: Because I got an Android phone and the last time I had to change the motherfucker, it took me an entire day to get everything back the way it was on the other one. So that's great, except it also means Apple has all your data. Yeah. Now they're not supposed to be looking at it. Yeah. So if they're not looking at it though, why are they advertising Chivas Regal to you?
1: Yeah, that was, that was another thing. Because I remember that's what <laughs> sent chills down my side. Because I was like, I don't even know what Grand Marnier is. <laughs> and even if I did, that's not my thing. My thing was always just vodka. So I was like, but it would show up on my Instagram. and I'd be like, Tommy, like, have a And I'd be like, that's weird because... That's creepy. That's creepy. And it, it, on days we did loadouts of shit, we got, hey, we got a shipment of this and, I, and you know, I have to be taking pictures of it. That night I would get be getting recommendations for this, like, here's this bacon peanut butter vodka. And I'll be like, huh, you know, that's a little eerie. That's a little creepy. Just like it was fucking weird. I was like, I don't like this. Roger, I got to go pee. 6 p.m. I got one hour. P- I got to go to the p- I don't know why all of a sudden I decided that at the one hour mark is a piss break. But you know what? It's piss break. Roger, monologue. T- tell them where they hey. can get your book.
2: Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. Hey. Uh, Prime Intellect. Uh, any other of my writings available at Amazon.com. Uh, if you want a print copy, uh, particularly of Prime Intellect, Go to lulu.com and look for it. Uh, it's the same price, but I get a lot more of the money because Amazon doesn't take their cut. Um, but we have a lot more stuff on Amazon, including ebook versions. Also, if you go to localroger.com, uh, I have links to a bunch of my stuff. Uh, some of it is uh, through sh- Smashwords, if you don't mind reading it through your browser it'll ask you to pay, but you can set your price to zero. I don't mind that. That's uh, I used to host it myself, but I was told that doing that caused them to uh, derank my website because it was duplicate material. Uh, then Google ended up uh, deranking the website anyway. So whatever. But, uh, you know, you can also get convenient ebook, uh, e-pub copies of a lot of my stuff there. Um, and, uh, it buys beer. Um, Tommy (laughs) and we still have to cover this uh, iCloud thing because somebody's doing something with your data they're not supposed to. We are back, Roger Williams. Yes. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, just uh, I was I was uh, giving the spiel about where to find my stuff and cool. how you can good stuff. Okay, so anyway, so we know because Apple screwed up that they they tipped their hand. Mm-hmm. We know that they are using the stuff in your iCloud to advertise to you even though you have not actually shared or yeah. published it or done yeah. anything with it except looking at it yourself. Yeah. That that is like so the they, mistake that 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 is that is the point where the Germans put a fourth wheel on their Enigma machine. We don't know what the hell is going on, but we know something,
1: something. Is. Yeah, that Grand, Grand <laughs> Monnier Gate, right. Watergate Grand Monnier Gate. Yep. Yeah, that's the moment where I was like, hold the fuck up.
2: <laughs> so so anyway, uh, this is my position is that what I believe is that asking these companies to not use this data. To, to throw this data away is like asking a 12-year-old with a cable modem in 1998 not to use Napster.
1: Yeah. Just promise me you won't do it.
2: How's that, how did that work
1: out? Uh, didn't I think they tried to sue? Didn't the like RIAA try RIAA try to sue Napster for something? I think it's the oh, they, big biggest case ever in history. It was like seventy three yeah. trillion dollars.
2: And they went through a phase of of trying to sue the individual users, and and none of that worked out. And the thing is, it was like uh, a, a complete whack-a-mole. Now, in the United States. Our government is pretty much bought and owned by the business community anyway. So there's not a lot of pushback in a meaningful sense against this. But there is in the European Union, they have this uh, thing that they pass called the right to be forgotten, that when you delete your data, it should really be deleted and not kept forever, and that they shouldn't be tracking everything that you do. And they're kind of serious about it. And I've been looking at this and my personal theory you're going to love this i think the main reason that this pushback exists in europe is because in a practical sense this is going to make it impossible to have an affair it's going to be impossible to have meetings of a secret society yeah this is a whole cultural thing that goes back and i i i can't get out of my mind a comment that was made by uh, a female French politician when Bill Clinton was going through his traves, and uh, I, forget, I, I forget who it was, but she said, "We think it's charming that your presidents have affairs, because that's their culture. It's one of the perks of being a powerful man yeah. in, uh, in 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 this." Culture and it's like it's expected. Yeah, sure. If you're the wife of the powerful man, you expect him to have a mistress. If you yeah. don't, you're an idiot. Yeah, and Jackie
1: Kennedy, them, I, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Eleanor, yeah, yeah,
2: right. And 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 to the, in their society, to the idea that this will become impossible is really you know they don't like that. That's yeah. that's not good. So they're but it's again, it's like pushing back against the wind. Yeah. The the thing is, it's like how effective was the RIAA against the the music? The the most effective thing that they've done about the movie situation is have streaming services that are somewhat convenient and affordable so that it's easier to do it legally.
1: Yeah. And it's that's cheap all... enough that
2: you'll do it. Right. Right. And and that's you know, and the thing is they're fucking it up because it's like now, instead of having a single place where you can go and I wanna watch the last episode of Stargate again, Sure. okay? I have no fucking clue where I can go to do that. Is Actually I, means- I do, you know where I can go to do that? DVD.com, I can tell Netflix to send me the DVD, that plastic disc, because you know what? Once that plastic disc is pressed, it's a physical object. Even though it's obsolete as fuck, once that plastic disc exists, they can rent it to anybody who comes through the door till the end of time. Yeah, because of the doctrine of first sale. The problem with streaming is all this shit goes in and out of licensing. You never know where anything is available. You know, and that's bullshit.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, get to watch. They, mo- yeah, Amazon, they, YouTube, Netflix. Which one is it? Yeah,
2: and if any of them. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's like, and they're making it worse it's like what the fuck with disney plus it's like so now if i want to see what if i want to watch a star wars movie i've got to subscribe to another yeah. service because netflix isn't going to have it anymore that's bullshit.
1: you know what i'm realizing as we're saying this you know what i think it's all intentional they're just making different tv channels we're back to square one
2: (laughs) well 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 what it is is they're not getting the 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 the, the picture they're all acting out of individual greed instead of realizing that they're they need to work together if they really want to stop the piracy problem which they think is a huge problem right you know the the people most of the people who are stealing content are doing it because they can't get it legitimately at either a reasonable price or at all or or through the service that they they want you know i've bought amazon prime for a couple of years just to watch the man in the high castle
1: same same i did this summer yeah
2: yeah i will do i will do that but a typical person watches a shitload more tv than i do yeah and if you're tastes are more typical of an American, then all of a sudden you're looking at, you're already paying 60 bucks of the year for your cable modem. And now you're doing 15 bucks for this thing and 10 bucks for that thing and eight bucks for this thing and 20 bucks for that thing. And and then you still can't watch the goddamn episode of SG one because it's not anywhere that, that's, that has to come to an end. So, have, just, so what that.
1: happens is you just start pirating, and we're back at square one. You just right, go, Fuck we're it. back
2: at square one because Fuck you get it. a BitTorrent, and it's there. You just Boom. go to
1: Google, movie S one E five free online. You just go back to two thousand. You just go back to that original free so, files online.
2: So 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 the thing is, it's it's that the problem is that with this big data thing, we are the movie studios. It's our data. Mm. And it's the companies that are using it, and what are they using it for? You know, we're talking about okay, they're sending you ads for Graham Arneier. Well, that's creepy enough, yeah. but you know, they're they're also it's like Amazon is going to know everything you bought because you probably bought it from them. Yeah, and all right, now now what fuck sense does it make? I bought a lawnmower from them about eight years ago. It was all electric, real lawnmower, so it was practical to buy it online. For the next month, I had ads for lawnmowers. It's like i just bought a lawnmower i don't need a lawnmower now because i just bought one why are you wasting my time yeah so there's it's not always as intelligent yeah but more it's just that it's there and it's available for any of these entities and this is before the government calls all these guys in and says Oh, uh, hey. yeah, guys, we know that you have all this data, and we want it. Yeah. And if you want to do business in our country, you're going to give it to us.
1: Yeah, and we won't tell the people that you have it if you give it to us.
2: There was a uh, – you, are you familiar with the TV series The Orville? the The star, It's a Star Trek parody by uh, Seth MacFarlane. Hmm. Uh, okay, so – uh, so it's a rather, vol- you would actually probably like it. It's, if, if you're familiar with Star Trek at all, then it's a parody version of Star Trek uh, TOS, the original series, uh, where Seth MacFarlane plays this kind of inept captain of a sort of medium class starship. Uh, and it's making a lot of fun of the Star Trek tropes. But uh, the seventh episode of their first season, they stumble across this planet that has about a 21st century level technology, right? So it's us. But they don't have a government in the traditional sense, the entire planet is basically run by something that looks an awful lot like Facebook. And everything is your social score. And so it's like, if someone sees you do something they don't like, minus, or someone sees something that's like, plus, it's, it's like a pure democracy in that regard. No one can stop anybody from voting on you. And, Your vote, your social score is everything. If your score gets too low, businesses will stop doing business with you. There's a scene toward the beginning of the episode where a woman is just trying to buy a coffee and she can't because her social score is too low and the business is blackballed. They won't do business with someone whose score is below 20 or whatever it is. And if it gets too bad, then the police arrest you. They don't actually have a court system. What they have is the social score and they have a referendum on the social net thing, and if it turns out too badly, they will bottomize you. <laughs> Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> probably not far off from the CCP, man.
2: Well, and the thing is, this was meant obviously, very transparently, to be uh, a comment about Facebook and the sure. way people use it on Seth MacFarlane's part. But the thing is, China is trying to fucking implement it.
1: They're abs- not trying. I'd say they're fucking doing it, and they're probably doing
2: it well. Yeah, they're they are they are actually implementing a social score th- thing where that they don't do it as a pure democracy. They have paid spies that yeah. rat on you yeah. and 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 score you. But they've had people who couldn't buy rail tickets or couldn't buy airline tickets because their score was too low. And the, and this is so far, this is just in beta. They haven't actually yeah. rolled it out universally yeah. yet. But yeah. it's like this is another one of those things. In the it wasn't supposed to be an instruction manual thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they're like hey what a cool idea and you know the problem with this is there. what happens if there are errors in the data set there's no mechanism for correcting them errors yeah it took all kinds of uh movement for us to get the mechanisms just in the uh, credit reporting act in the united states so that if there's an error in the data that's reported to your uh to your credit agencies that it doesn't just ruin you and you have no recourse
0: yeah
2: now we're creating this whole thing that's orders of magnitudes worse than that yeah and there's no accountability there's there's no and the thing is there's no possibility of of any accountability i i don't i don't see how you control it again it goes back to how do you stop that 12 year old in his basement in 1998 from downloading songs from napster yeah. He's got the cable modem. Yeah. How are you going to say, "Hey, songs? What songs?" I don't I don't know about any songs. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, right? You give someone a fucking internet connection, then you're like, "Don't watch porn." Alright, now I'm walking out of the room but and I know you're an 18 year old guy and you can't keep your pants on for 10 seconds, but I'm leaving and here is a fiber optic connected to a global brain with millions of hours of naked women doing, or men or whatever the hell you want, or people dressed up as an elephant doing whatever you want from <laughs> 144p to 4k promise you won't I promise fuck out of here <laughs> 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 ah, yeah right it's it's the same yeah you can't take so, this away from them you... this is
2: this is that for companies
1: yes that's what it's this is we are the porn for them they are like yeah they're like oh my god where you are what you look what you google the coffee you buy they're just like salivating
2: yeah and and, and it's not going to be practical to stop it yeah the there's technology, no reason to be, Yeah, there's
1: no reason I, to stop
2: it I, I i i don't see any other end game now there was a very interesting book that i read in the 1980s david brin who also wrote the postman uh wrote a very ambitious uh novel called earth it was uh an ensemble novel with many characters and uh, it was pretty cool it was it's it's long though it's about that thick um but it's cool it's it, it it was set 40 years in the future from the mid 80s so we're about to hit this period in time uh, but in his version of the future, there are uh, there's black holes whirling around inside the Earth, and we don't know what to do about them. And there's gravity lasers and all kinds of cool shit. He had me a gravity laser. Gravity lasers.
1: Gravity like lasers? Okay.
2: That, that's gravity. La- yeah, there's there's a scene there's a scene where one of the characters wants to show off a little bit, and he uh, uses his gravity laser thingamabob to pick up an iceberg from Greenland and fling it at the moon.
1: Hey man. If you're trying to impress her on the first date, I don't know what else. Is there. Hey, baby.
2: So, but anyway, in the background to this story, uh, which would have been in, in their story, their version of the, the uh, of the odds, you know, the turn of the millennium, there was a nuclear war. And Bryn admits that he was having a little fun with this because the instigation of the nuclear war was over financial secrets. The fact that so much of the Earth's wealth had been stolen uh, from uh the common people and all, and hoarded by rich assholes who stored it in Switzerland and various places like that. And when they came for the Swiss, the Swiss stood their ground and they ended up nuking Switzerland.
1: They had it but, coming. It's, it's a bad yeah. time. They've
2: and and Brent admitted in the afterwards of the book that he was just having fun with this. Okay. It's, they've but, just
1: been coming to them for a long time.
2: But where he was going with that was that the society that this created had the idea that privacy itself was an obscenity, that secrets were obscene because secrets were what had caused this violence. Yeah. Turn off the fan. Sorry. So this was uh, a very interesting take on things. And at the time, it seemed kind of wacky, Okay. course i'm i'm real familiar with doing things that seem wacky at the time yeah right yeah uh, but i think that we are almost headed for a place like that where it's going to be impossible to have a secret it's going to be impossible to have an affair and keep it secret because if your gps signal goes to the same apartment on the other side of town three or four times a week then it's just going to be a matter for someone to put it together and go all right, we just need to go cases and see which appointment ap- apartment he's visiting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be impossible to have a secret society or a secret organization, but that also means, and governments love this. It'll be impossible to have an opposition,
1: an opposition. Movement. Or yeah.
2: You know, yeah. You'll be able to keep tabs on everybody. Think of all the people that, uh, will just be like salivating over that.
0: Yeah.
2: And we may be headed for a world where that's the reality yeah. where, uh, the mechanisms of control are going to be virtually unstoppable.
1: You can't this overcome going- them. There is no resistance. You can, This isn't some romantic grab your gun and your oil lamp. It's like this is. Yeah, well, I mean, anybody
2: who thinks grabbing their AK-47 is going to do anything against the actual government is yeah. a fucking idiot anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which so- is why
1: I recommend building bombs. <laughs> hey, if you're going to be on the list, you might as well earn it. Roger's like I don't know who this man is Uh, i met
2: this man once um...
1: I have nope. you've been on here a lot Roger you're going in that cell right next to me we're both going to the gulag together everyone that's been on this podcast we're going to the same gulag
2: yeah well we're going to find out that the people who are too far on the left and the people who are too far on the right are all going to be sharing cells
1: oh yeah or they're all going to be sharing the fucking office and killing us centrists they're going to be like that's what you get for not taking a side
2: yeah, that the other yeah, it depends on says But the thing is, all this data is out there. Yeah, and it's not going away. Yeah, uh, it's being collected. My neighbor's ring doorbell is ratting me out every time I go to work.
1: Every time I walk outside with my pants off, they're just taking their There he is again.
2: Yeah. And it's like Ed Snowden said. It's like, you know, they were only supposed to record the foreign nationals and the foreign communications. But, of course, they recorded everything because they could.
1: Yeah. it's it, it, And what it, are you going to do about it? Yeah. And how are you going to find out about it? Right? Yeah. And I'm going to request my data. Your data doesn't exist. That exists behind a uh, top secret classification. Fuck off. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like
2: oh google yeah google i want i want I want to know how, how how much of my location data you're keeping oh we've anonymized all that we don't have any of that
1: uh, would you uh, like some grand marnier
2: though yes we noticed you visited total wine six times in the last week and uh <laughs> <laughs> you're, and you're like oh okay i'll take it
1: yeah right yeah it's it's james bamford talks about that in shadow i think shadow factory um but he talks about it, um talks about yeah, like in Vietnam in like the late two thousands. It was like dude, don't don't Google democracy forum into your search <laughs> engine. No but because because their SWAT team is gonna come through your window. So people would like, you know, try to read just read. I I just wanna read the Constitution. I just wanna read the US Constitution. It seems interesting. I've never been to America, whatever. I found it translated to Vietnamese. Yeah, I just like to read it. What is this whole Bill of Rights thing? Uh uh-uh, uh, motherfucker.
0: Yep. Yeah. But that's the, uh, and
1: they can squash it before it even foments into a into a real thing. I mean you are just curious about, what what happened in Tiananmen Square? Nope. Here they yeah. come through the windows. Nothing happened in Tiananmen <laughs> Square, and we're gonna go make sure you know that nothing happened.
2: So, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I had better news, but the, the thing is, I think that's where it's headed. That, like you said, that predator drone with all the cameras and Gordon's shit. There are they actually. Uh, give a few noirs, they're not going to need it. Yeah. Because every fucking camera is going to be on the internet and all they're going to have to do is network them together. Yeah. And.
1: Yeah going to – it's going to be just as good or it's just, it's just, gonna just gonna be, as bad. Yeah, yeah it's just as bad. It's gonna just, well, eventually it's going to – they're going to – because the thing about Gorgon Stare is that it's it's not photo. It, it's video. And so it's just constantly mm-hmm. recording a whole city at a time. So when they do see something they want to see, they just rewind it. Eventually it's going to take a, mm-hmm. another generation, but it's going to jump up to space-based, and then it's just going to be there yeah. all the time.
2: Yeah, and, and the, the thing there is it's uh... – it's possible to envision something like a keyhole satellite, but with modern data technology.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and absolutely. You know, it's I, I just I think wasn't it Ben Rich that said? I mean Ben Rich, the CEO of Skunkworks, who died in like 1995. I mean he his most famous quote is, "We now have the technology to take ET home." If you can imagine it, we have it. That was his you know <laughs> crazy one. He said, "If George," he said George Lucas would I think he said George Lucas would salivate at what we have, which is crazy. But another thing he said, a lesser-known quote, is there is no private conversation on this planet. You and a friend can be on top of Mount Everest, and you can whisper, it's not private. But he never went into that more, and that kind of scares me. Because I always thought if you really want, you know, me and Roger could go for a walk in the woods and, you know, put our hand, put our mouth to our car. Well, and,
2: a lot of that depends on how interested they are in you in particular. He's right if there is a particular hear, interest yeah. in you. He's not necessarily right – if you're just uh you know tommy and roger random schmucks at the moment yeah but if you are tommy and roger the candidates for president and vice president and uh you know then 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 you've got a different level of attention being placed on you
1: but as it always happens though there's always the same evolution is yes you first have the technology that you only put you know president vice president candidates but once that's possible it waters down to eventually get everybody that's how yeah. those happens right well
2: it's, it's like what happens when it's a hundred terabyte hard drive or a thousand terabyte hard drive and you have cameras literally every few feet Just, uh yeah. there's been a few uh science fiction novels that i can think of that went there um uh, norman spinrad wrote one called agent of chaos which was extremely dystopian where the entire uh world every civilized space uh had these cameras they called eyes and beams uh, every few feet every public space yeah and the story was that if the central monitoring computer that was monitoring these cameras uh saw something illegal it would pop the cover of the beam which would expose an intense radioactive source and kill you. Oh. It was instant oh, that, instant death sentence. That
1: that went from 0 to 100 real quick. <laughs> that was yeah, instantly and, and, so just instantly kill the, the 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 bad thing just
2: yeah. And oh. and the thing is, the question as the novel progresses uh, is whether this capability is real. Or whether they're just doing it at random to, to create the impression that is, they have this ability,
1: you could argue is equally powerful.
2: Everyone knows that people are occasionally killed by popped beams.
1: Yeah, that's that but, was a conspiracy I always thought about. Was what if Ed Snowden? What if he? What, what if he is just? What if he is still working for the NSA? What this is is this was just the best PR campaign ever.
2: So that was uh, one of them now I'm trying to remember what the other one was that I had in mind
1: yeah that's that's crazy right that's like yeah. the idea um, of like uh, there's like there's like some it's a it's it's obvious it's like a scripted video but it's made to look like a real like defense contractor speaking at an expo. It's really I, I need to find the find it but it's the idea of like these little suicide drones that are like the size of like a butterfly and they have like a tiny little C4 cap on them and yes i
2: it, saw that the, yeah. Uh, the kill
1: bots. yeah yeah and they go yes. down and then they, it comes to the US you can just drop a thousand out of a plane and then not yeah. only that
2: and the whole and the whole tone of the video is like an ad and it's so enthusiastic yeah, nuclear that, is obsolete. yeah
1: he's like isn't that did you see that that's <laughs> this guy is just like coming in his pants and like the idea is eventually eventually you just plug it into the internet and you find find it from the where it starts a hashtag so if you said hashtag resist president trump it's like the idea or whoever it's just you know resist obama the idea is like this killbot comes and it finds you and it hits you with the little c4 shape charge right in the forehead so yeah. it's it's truly it's wrong think eliminated at the source and he's did you see that did you see the guy's just like oh
2: yes <laughs> right
1: but it's 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 eerie though right it's eerie
2: yeah, and and well and the thing is if you if you look at the the follow-up to that that little video he, he says that this uh, that video does not include any technologies that don't exist <laughs> all, that they were, all they were depicting was that they had been miniaturized and uh, and improved to a certain extent but there was no fundamentally new technology yeah. necessary to create those things so, you know, and 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 they also is like i like the the line It's like uh, you know the the cargo plane opens up the beer yeah. hatch and mm. zillions of these things come out it's like enough you know 20 million dollars buys you this enough to eliminate half a city yeah the bad the
1: bad half yeah there yeah and it's who's <laughs> defining bad don't ask the that the half
2: that you don't like the half
1: you don't yeah <laughs> flies into like lecture rooms with like you know, like colleges and this mm-hmm. pop and just blows people's brains out and it's just like i mean that's i mean but what's the next step shit would be nanobots right through what if you could get nanobots yeah. in everyone's bloodstream at all times so as soon as the thought goes into your cerebral cortex <laughs> you don't even have to type it it just recognizes the pattern of electrical impulses and it's you like hmm i wish i had more i had, wish i had more privacy from the government it's, boom it just blows your head off it's just, it's just real-time genetic yeah. engineering right it's just calling co- the herd well
2: Speaking of someone who knows uh, quite a bit of physics and computers and stuff, I, I have serious problems with nanobots. I, I, I don't seriously believe in them the way that a lot of the singularity people do. I think the problem the problem with nanobots is that the way that they are uh, justified yeah, is like as if you took, say, a catalytic cracking unit in an oil refinery and you said, well, this is so big. And it can process so much material and create so much product this is what the nanobot people are doing there's they're saying a nano a nano machine a nanite can take these inputs and create these outputs using so much energy okay like a catalytic cracking unit can and because a catalytic cracking unit is 16 feet in diameter and 37 feet tall we can put one in your backyard well that part don't work so well because that catalytic cracking unit is in the middle of a 40 acre plant. Yeah. Full of staging areas, pre processors, post processors, all kinds of things that are necessary to feed it those inputs and make use of the outputs to store and ship them and all. And the nanite people really don't seem to get that. I mean, I've worked in industry for o- almost 40 years, and that's the first thing that, 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 that cries out to me when I read all his stuff about nanites, and I say that as a guy that wrote nanites into the curate, yeah. the curators. Yeah. But, but again, on that, that was the seven billion year old technology. Yeah. So maybe they had time. But I don't see nanites doing some of the things that are portrayed simply because I don't see the staging. I don't see. The process control i mean there's a lot of stuff that happens in an industrial facility to make it possible for this relatively simple device in the middle of it to do its magic yeah and what i don't see is if you've got an anite that's sitting there waiting for an oxygen atom to do its next thing what gets it the oxygen atom where does it come from how is it scheduled how is it staged what is the mechanisms for that and 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 they don't have any idea for that and i think by the time you get to that kind of organization you're talking about something that's not nano anymore now it may be a huge improvement for a lot of technologies you might be able to build a, a plant the size of this keyboard that can produce billion transistor integrated circuits and you just start it up come back next week and boom, it's done. I can see that being possible. Sure. But as far as things pumped into your bloodstream, as far as things, you know, building arbitrary biological matrices uh, with basically nothing to start yeah. with, except there? that naturally it's like, it, 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 it's, you know, where do, where, do, where does the inputs come from? How, do, how does it deal with the randomness of available raw materials? Yeah. That, that yeah. I, I, I just... I have trouble making that work in my head, and maybe I'm just being the old fuddy-duddy, short-sighted guy. But I think,
1: mm, yeah, no,
2: I I got got my reasons. You know, it's just having seen a lot of industrial facilities, most people have no idea what is involved. Yeah, in you know, and I've seen a lot of this on you know people saying, well, you know, I'm going to build a you know this 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 boat and 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 go out and circle the world and all. You talk about they're building a, a Uh, A 50 foot boat and they think they're just going to do it in their backyard and it's like do you realize how much support crap you're gonna need yeah you you know it's 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 not just a matter of spraying styrofoam at at a wire frame there's a lot more to it even if you make that technology work there's a lot more to it to make it into a functioning environment to you know to make it do all of the stuff that it needs to do to either support life or to perform whatever function it's supposed to perform, and most people have no idea how fucking expensive industrial crap is.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, like to build a Tesla, you don't need a, a factory the size of a Tesla. You need this whole apparatus to to make. Yeah. That.
2: Well, it's like uh, to get to give an idea. It's, it's, uh, if you go browsing through the Granger catalog you know, any of these industrial supply catalogs, industrial crap is way more expensive than consumer crap because it's got to function in extreme environments. Mm -hmm. It's got to do extreme things as far as pressure and temperature. It's got to be extremely accurate if it's doing measurement because, you know, so uh, it's like the, the humidity sensor in your dryer that knows when your clothes are dry would be considered a sad joke in a chemical plant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, a sensor like that might cost two or $300, which is more than you paid for your dryer. Yeah. Okay, that is the case all over the place. You, you you're, you're looking at valves that cost three figures, tanks that cost six figures. Yeah. All this pipe, that has to be welded up. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's your iPhone it, camera versus the one on a Hollywood set.
2: Right. And, and, and really it's that even worse by an order of magnitude. Uh, the, yeah, you know, what, what you're used to thinking of is how you would perform a function when you start doing it industrial scale, particularly if it's something that involves high energy or, toxic chemicals uh radionuclides of course anything like that uh the the measures that you have to take to control things to make sure that it goes right uh become astronomically expensive people have no idea that this is uh the company that i work for has branched out uh in recent years but for many years what we mostly focused on was weighing devices scales that 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 weigh things. Now that itself is a vast field because every large plant in the world has a truck scale. Mm-hmm. And so when trucks come and go, they weigh the entire truck so that they can tell what, how much they bought or sold from that truck. A truck scale costs between 50 and a hundred thousand dollars, depending upon how uh, fancy you get with it. Um, A laboratory analytical balance that you need to do to do fine assays in a lab Uh, the cheap version may be a thousand dollars yeah if you really need accuracy and there are very accurate ones out there it might be more like five figures yeah uh you have uh what they call deck scales platform scale for like a four by four platform scale that you would put a pallet on to weigh the pallet. These things are common as dirt in industry. They're a couple thousand bucks a piece. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And people are not thinking if like, if you wanted to do business at this scale, just to measure the stuff you're that's coming and going involves more money than most people realize Yeah, is, is involved and that's before you actually start doing anything yeah once you start actually cooking things or reacting things or machining things then those machines uh, like a cnc router is itself a thing it doesn't exist all on its own it's got to have a way to get the shavings away it's got to have a way to be fed it's got to have a way to be programmed it's got to have you know a way to handle the things that come out the end that are finished, except they're not going to really be finished because you're going to need to do more work on most of them. And all this adds up in ways. If if all you've ever seen is the grocery store and the consumer stuff and what's at Home Depot, uh, uh, there's a lovely antidote. There's an essay online called, In the Beginning There Was the Command Line by the guy, who, oh shit, his name was on the tip of my tongue, the guy who wrote and out in the Magic Kingdom. Um, it'll come to me in a second, but uh, but it's an essay, it's online for free, it's, it's called, in the beginning there was the command line, and it's about operating systems, about yes. how computers, similar to what we've been talking about, yeah. but it's about like the difference between an operating system like Linux and an operating system like Windows. Mm-hmm and the way he illustrates this is he worked uh as in construction for a few years and there's a a drill that's used in construction called the hole hog h-o-l-e-h-a-w-g and he said it's a block of metal with a pipe handle socket the handle is a piece of pipe so that if you break it you can just unscrew it and put a new one in and he tells stories about you know using it to d- drill holes this big in rafters and, and, and solid pieces of wood and uh how i there was a, an incident where a worker had you know, was drilling a hole with the whole hog and it jammed and kicked him and kicked him off the 20 foot high ladder that he was standing on so he was hanging from the drill jesus and he just hung there until they put the ladder back because you know, the the drill was like you know, because it's an industrial piece of equipment. It yeah. is a solid piece of equipment that is intended for one thing to cut holes. Yeah. It doesn't care about anything else. Yeah. It's there to cut holes, and it will cut a hole in anything.
1: If there's a certain and, there's a certain beauty to that that Zen. And that's that's what he distance.
2: said. The 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 analogy he was headed toward is that as as operating systems go linux is the whole hog of operating systems it will let you do anything if you tell it to recursively delete all of the files on your hard drive starting at the root directory it doesn't ask if you're sure it just does <laughs> roger I've,
1: I've roger i've got to piss again but i'm completely down to keep this conversation going i'm i'm, I'm i like it i'm, I'm I, i've just i drank so much well as you've probably seen in this podcast i don't know why i always do that i like down two water bottles and I'd be like nothing bad's gonna happen (laughs) and you know what spoiler alert I always have to urinate it's the fucking god it's the craziest thing I need to get I need (laughs) to get I need to get like an astronaut system so I can just sit. You need to get it.
2: one of those little bottles that they put under 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 the seat of your car, and just like, just no, do I need this to, while I need, you're driving along. I just need to just.
1: get. I just need to get a full on. <laughs> I was gonna say, as I'm wearing my NASA shirt, I just need to get a full on like recycle system. Just like <laughs> I'll buckle into the podcast, and no one will know. You'll just see me talking like. <sighs> Roger monologue. <laughs> monologue.
2: Okay, so as usual, this is going some interesting places. all these notes and I didn't use any of them. every time.
1: Roger, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your moods just hypnotize. Six forty-two. Let's um, I can go for like another eighteen minutes. I got a, I got an early one tomorrow. What? But okay. so what we are saying is um, is yeah, that simplicity of doing one thing. I had a guy on here that I've had on before several times, Brad Smith, who uh, was an armored truck driver. Now he works in the paper mill, and he was talking about the machines that never break because the paper mill was built in like eighteen eighty-eight or something. He said mm-hmm. they have some like World War One presses. He said yes. they. He said they're incredibly dangerous. There's absolutely no safeguards. It's like don't walk near it because if it's doing the thing, it's going to do the thing, whether or not you have, whether or not you are one piece or two pieces. Like it has no care for your torso.
2: But been there, done that. Yeah, got the T-shirt.
1: Yeah, but he's uh, like uh, they don't ever uh, stop.
2: There's a there's a machine at uh, a sugar refinery in New Orleans, uh, which oh. is responsible for about ten percent actually a little more now i think of the sugar production in the united states and uh on the dock where they unload barges there is a scale called a bulk wear. and a conveyor feeds product into a hopper at the top that has a gate that can be closed to to surge and when that gate is open it feeds into the scale which is another hopper with a gate at the bottom And then, so what it does is it fills the scale until it's at a set point and it's not real. It doesn't care quite how much it is. It just wants to get the scale nice and full and it closes the the surge gate. Conveyors still going. Conveyor does not stop. Then it weighs the sugar that's in the hopper and then opens the gate at the bottom of the hopper and dumps it. Closes the hopper opens the surge, lather, rinse, repeat. The hopper is about 15 feet square and has a capacity of 40,000 pounds. It cycles every 45 seconds, and they weigh about 7 million pounds of sugar a day on it. And I built the control system that runs it. It was originally originally... That system was originally controlled by mechanical linkages, mercury switches, and shit like that. The company that I work for hung the scale from modern load cells to make it an electronic scale instead of a lever system. And I designed the computer system, which has been redesigned twice now as the hardware has obsoleted and needed to be replaced. But that is their cash register. They weigh 7 million pounds of sugar a day on that thing, and that is how they that's bill. A, yeah. that, that's how they pay for their, their, the sugar that they're buying yeah. from all over the world. And that, so this machine is 30 feet high. Jesus. And it is about 90 years old. You know, yeah. when when you go back to the original version of it before we retrofitted everything, and, and yeah, they're not going to get rid of it. They're... You know, I've got stuff like that. That's one of the more impressive examples. But I mean, I've done a lot of shit like that in my yeah.
1: career. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you said that. That rem- cause that reminded me of um, yeah. There's a press, I think it's in like Detroit or Chicago. It's a fifty thousand ton press. That's yeah. Been around that sounds since
2: familiar. Since- it's been I've been around since before that.
1: World War II, and they like they revamped it. There're like, 2
2: or 3 of those. No. The, the, you know, just like these ginormous presses that that there's no, nothing a, else like them. No,
1: it's like 100 feet tall. It's insane. But it's yeah. it's like it is I mean it it's built like pieces for every aircraft from like World War II through like the F-22.
2: Yeah, and all of those all of those old machines have been retrofitted with modern controls, which make yeah. them far more useful because they're more accurate now, and they can the, they can exert finer control over the pressures and stuff. Yeah, um, you know, so so it's like you've got those, you've got all this this uh, the stuff. The uh, it doesn't go away because it's so frigging expensive. Yeah, uh, this is the thing about the the radio telescope in Arecibo that uh was recently damaged because one of the cables failed in puerto rico and there's nothing else like it in the world and now and everyone's grousing about whether they're going to repair well of course part of the problem is that it's in puerto rico and our president doesn't fucking like puerto rico (laughs) but This is like one of the most important scientific instruments in the world. Uh, What's going to happen is the only thing close to it is something the Chinese are building. Oh, so we're going to let the Chinese have the only instrument like this in the world because it's been damaged and no one wants to pay to to repair it. And, you know, of course, something like that has been upgraded many more. But they had this cable that's supposed to be able to take like 1.2 million pounds of tension uh, because the way the way it works is a spherical dish uh, in, uh, that was built into a sinkhole, and the actual radio equipment is suspended above it, like yeah, the yeah, camera, yeah. like the camera at an NFL football game. You know, yeah. it moves back and forth on these cables. Well, one of the cables broke, dug a trench in the dish, big problem. Okay, but uh, then they had another cable failure, so it's like okay, the thing needs to be overhauled it's been there for like what 60 years
0: yeah
2: uh what are you gonna do not fix it yeah i mean, built building a new one is probably not a thing that's going to happen yeah you know, it's this more is, expensive
1: this is, to build a new one
2: yeah so it's like let's get on with it but be it the the political situation all no. but you know this some of this old shit uh it was done in a heroic age i mean the you know we have a machine that we use uh, to test crane scales and it's about 15 feet tall. Uh, it's got a couple of risers and a, a platform that can move up and down on screws. <laughs> so depending on whether it's tension or compression, you can put your scale between this platform in the top or this platform in the bottom and either push on it or pull on it. And the base of it is is, is a calibrated scale that we're... We keep in, uh synced uh, to the National Bureau of Standards. You know, it's all traceable to the standards. And people send us their crane scales to calibrate on it. Um, and this is all very important because those scales go back out into the oil rigs and all. And what those are used for is to make sure the damn crane don't tip over. Um, and that machine... Was built in World War yeah, Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, we. My boss bought it surplus. I remember when he when he he cut this deal. He bought it surplus in the late nineteen eighties, and uh, we retrofitted the uh, the controls and the electronics to to bring it up to those standards of the day. And we've done more work on it since. But yeah, the basic machine was built. In World War Two, and nowadays, to to have a new one made would almost be so extravagantly expensive. They're really not available. Yeah, there's there's no one making them like this anymore. Yeah. So what happens when this one finally goes tits up and all the others like it? Is just somebody else going to? You know, where's the capability going to come from?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's there's no. There's, it's yeah, it's not like a computer that you that you just re you overhaul and you get the brand new one. It's it's, it's not, you know, it's or like you a, take
2: are you take the old one that's this big and you chuck it and you replace it with an Arduino?
1: Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it's something, <laughs> it's something like NORAD, right? It's like, it's like the general, like yeah, the 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 living space inside of the mountain. It's like that is they'll be able to use that in 200 years because the general thing is like we have a hollowed out space inside of a mountain, right? Whether it's 1,500 or 2,000 or 2,500, doesn't matter what the year is. That's like a pretty solid just thing in general, right? Hole inside yeah. of a mountain where we can live.
2: Yeah, well and where and we're hopefully protected from nuclear bombs raining down on Honest which
1: a- is the Asterisk, we're, means a very select few. Not, <laughs>
2: yeah. not me and Roger. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, not you and me. But not you and me. I mean, uh, us. The, I mean, we yeah. paid for it through taxes. Our people. Yeah. That Our,
1: we, yeah. yeah. I think Ed Snowden said it best. He was like, never forget national security. It means the head, it means the elite of the nation. It's security for them. Not us. <laughs> national security <laughs> is security for the state. It's, but there's, yeah, the, that press is... It's insane because it's still like parts of it are like it's considered like critical infrastructure because it's like when we need like the huge wing pieces for like B-52s or C-5 galaxies or anything or even commercial shit. But like Uncle Sam is like, we need that. And so there's still like you can't get that close to it. There's still like armed detail. that has been there for like 80 years.
2: Yeah. Now that you're telling me about it, I I do think I've seen an article about that. Uh, It's the Mesa. It's called
1: the Mesa. M-E-S-A. It's called the Mesa yeah, cause, 50. Yeah,
2: because the machines like that have names.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, no, because there's so <laughs> few. I mean, no, really, yeah, it's like, it had, this thing is like, yeah, it's, it has like a nickname because it's, there's nothing like it. And it's, that's like, one. it's it, it's something like you don't think about. But the, apparently like, that was one of the things where like we got plans for this thing through Operation Paperclip. Like that's how like unique, so it's it's not even like plans for a rocket or a jet engine. It was like, Plans for just big dumb press. It was like... That was the fruits of like World War Two. Is like we have a bigger printer yes. than the Russians. The Russians got they got the pieces for the thirty thousand ton one, but we got the guys that have. But seriously, I'm not even making this up. But we got the no, guys who knew the plans for the fifty thousand, <laughs> and it was like fuck yeah. And the Nazis were planning how
2: build this puppy. Yeah, yeah, and
1: then and no, and Eisenhower was like when it came. Where I guess after Truman, Eisenhower was like build this and like upgrade it, and like the Nazis were pl- apparently planning on building a five hundred thousand ton one. Which, of course, was their own downfall, right? Because everything had to be grander. But still, you don't yeah. think about it. But it's like what's like a national. It's like a national security asset, and it's like this big, fucking press. What does it do? It's just big and heavy.
2: It squishes things.
1: That, that's it. That's it. <laughs> well, fuck. All right. I guess keep it going, right? But yeah, it's there's a, it, there's a word for that. It's called. Uh, I looked it up. There's a great subreddit for it. It's called skookum, S K O O K U M, and it sounds like an obscure porn genre, but it's not. <laughs> it's it just means, but that's exactly what it means. It means like a wrench that's been in a warehouse since like 1850 and it still works, right? It means a big press. It means, uh, yeah, it's it, a, a big a big drill, a big something. It's it's just it works forever you could throw it off a cliff it could be in a mm-hmm. warehouse for 80 years you pick it up you get the cobwebs off and it's still it's like a sledgehammer would be like skookum it's just yeah. fucking it just it's gonna work forever right that's what it means is yeah but yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Roger that a great podcast would be uh, to do a complete go back would be nanotechnology that would be if you if you're well versed on it I, I, I give you a blank check. You always come up with a good topic, so you don't have to take any directive from me. I,
2: I tend to be a little um, circumspect about uh, things that I've done in the work environment. But uh, yeah, I've seen some – I know where a lot of bodies are buried. That That's – That's not good. You, uh, yeah. Do you, do you really want to know where your food comes from?
1: Dude, I I <laughs> – I I'm, i I'm, I'm more I'm more closely related to food production. I know I know how gross it is. I know how fucked up it is. I know how it is like we put Hitler to shame with our camps. Our are like chicken camps. Hitler had nothing on us. But
2: it's Well, I I will tell you the uh one of the stories that I told in in one of the corrosion articles was uh we went into a chicken plant uh that processes several hundred thousand birds a day
0: mm-hmm.
2: in arkansas and yeah. we were installing a piece of equipment and they needed to break a conveyor line in order to make room for it and we went in at the end of the shift on friday and all these guys and of course all the cleanliness directives go out the window because it's maintenance day and all these guys descend on this line that's worth millions of dollars and start cutting it up with acetylene torches and these are not like Engineers. These are these these are plant guys that, you know, they're 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 plant maintenance guys. And they're like, cut this line down, install new bearings here so that the conveyor can go around and we make room for the the the, the new thing. And they're cutting shit up and there's welding going on and all this shit flying around and everything. And then. uh, It all has to work 48 hours later. Or this plant is losing half a million dollars a day.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, you know, it's like, and these guys are getting paid like $13 an hour.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because have, cause it's the food industry. And, yeah. they're, and they're like, have you
1: read Fast Food Nation?
2: No. Uh, no, but i probably know everything that, it
1: has in it. that That book is i had to read that in college just by eric schlosser who wrote a really good book called command and control but his book about fast food nation yeah. and all the plants jesus it is, ugh, it, is it is dark it is yeah. fucking dark and not just for the animals what happens to like the workers the undocked yeah. people falling in like big blenders and shit
2: yeah that that, that's not even the big it was like okay like uh one of the the stories is like in that chicken plant uh one of the coveted jobs is called live hang yeah where they are taking the the live chickens from the delivery truck and upending them and hanging them by their feet from these specially designed hooks that convey them throughout the plant on these conveyors that hang from the ceiling. To, to toward the various processes, and it's considered one of the most dirtiest, shittiest jobs in the entire plant. And it's like the people who are capable of doing compete to do this job because it pays like a dollar an hour extra. Jesus. And
0: it's, it's,
2: yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's like I, I wrote a couple of articles for Corrosion uh, called Plant which was about chemical plants, and food plant, which was obviously about food plants. And so they were a distillation of my observations about industrial work settings. Um, And uh, yeah, that might be, uh, maybe that would be a good topic for next time. I think that, I
1: think we found
2: it. I think it's,
1: again, you're the only you're the only guest that just gets carte blanche. You just you show up. I don't I don't no. You're good at it, man. I you mean, you're like I mean I had on Vince Houghton, nuking the moon, who I think is a lot like uh, Dan Carlin. You're like them in that I don't even care what you're because I take it as this is just like I this is my weekly like one-on-one like tutor lesson with roger i just so happen to be uploading it as a podcast but you're very good i mean in the teacher role you are very good at it i don't even care what we're learning about no i mean and i mean that sincerely is it is that's why one day when you start your podcast you're just gonna have 50 episodes out of the (laughs) gate i'll just send it to you but it's you're you're a good you choose something and i think the caveat is is it's something you're interested in and it's but you it's well, still, and, then, yeah. and the
2: thing is, one of the things that we have in common is that we are interested in just about everything.
1: Just curiosity um, in general, yeah,
2: yeah, and, and 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 the world is full of wonders. It's full yeah. of horrors, and yeah. some of the horrors are wonderful, I mean, and vice versa. Yeah,
1: I mean, but they're all interesting. It's like as bad as it is, it's all interesting, right? It's fucking whether it's yeah. a big press or whether it's how to you know industrialize and monetize killing chickens or whether it's nanites or whether it's fucking I don't. It's all. Yeah. It's all
2: there are some there are some interesting contrast that would be it'll be it'll be a good topic that would make a full podcast to just explore the differences between uh, manufacturing and food production, because as uh, as a teaser, I'll point out one of the uh, things that I was told the plant manager of a food processing plant once told me uh, as I was like musing about different things I had done that the difference between manufacturing and food processing is that in manufacturing, you take in a bunch of elements that have been manufactured to specification. If if you check them out with your tools and you find that they don't meet the spec, you send them back. They, they, they don't meet your process requirements and you assemble them into a product that you then make sure works and you sell it. In food processing, it's the other way around. You take in a bunch of individuals that are variant, that are no two are the same, and you're taking them apart in order to create products that can be sold in different markets and used for different purposes. And you're constantly adjusting because you're not always getting the same input. You don't have that much control over it. Even when you try, there are variances that can't be eliminated because they're living things. And so you're constantly jockeying to see what do you have available. What does what what this incoming stream make possible as far as your outgoing products? And so it's a completely different mindset. It, it's 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 uh, even though it's two industrial facilities that are all full of fabulously expensive crap from Granger, they are operated in completely different ways.
1: Well, I think we found the topic for the next podcast. I'll send you a text or an email we can choose on what day I appreciate your uh, your flexibility this week yeah um, the, the
2: only the only wrinkle I had to uh today was I had the doctors yeah appointment, yeah yeah and I wasn't quite sure how that would work yeah, out yeah, yeah, I got now, normally four o'clock would be a little early for me on a weekday yeah so uh, yeah.
1: I do like I do like the Sunday slot I like getting you I like getting you earlier but I, yeah, don't, I also don't want to take your weekend it's up
2: actually I don't mind that, oh, that, that, yeah. that, that, that would work out fine I, I I figure you were probably trying to keep fresh for vincent or something like that or I've,
1: know, uh, i'm an idiot and i booked normally i go through this we'll wrap this one up in a second but i normally normally it's a 90 i call it the 95 percent ghost rate of, of potential guests just not responding and of the five that do respond one says yes i don't know what happened but i sent out all these emails and then without realizing it it turned into like a 98 percent yes rate so all of a sudden, you got lucky. Yeah, but it was lucky. But it was like, oh fuck, <laughs> I I have like fifteen authors in sixteen days or something. So right now I'm in this death spiral. If I wake up and before I'm even out of bed, it's a turn on. This is Audible and it starts plays the book. And by the time I'm going to bed, it's finished. And that's the guest tomorrow. And it's and I can't. I don't want to cancel on any of them because it's like I I finally got oh, them. No. But now so I'm. It'll be finished the day before Thanksgiving. I'll be finished with this death spiral of podcasts. But after that. I'm going to put a limit on two authors a week. It's just like I was I never expected for them all to say yes. I just I got greedy and they all said yes. And it was like, damn it. I got lucky. And because I'm a cocky, (laughs) arrogant motherfucker, I'm like, I'm not saying no to a single one. So I just bought I've been just been tearing through like i mean i guess i trained for this as a pre-med student i i know the ground there you go i'm like yeah. it's coming no, back actually in. you've
2: been doing well i yeah. mean that's like i've, Thank been, you. I've been i've been because you've had some fantastic guests last yeah. week the last week i've just been really, I mean, like going, where are these people coming from yeah
1: yeah well they all said <laughs> yes so now i'm like fuck <laughs> so yeah so but,
2: but yeah no i i actually like the sunday afternoon yeah. slot that hell that yeah. works out well for me hell and yeah. uh that way because that way i'm not juggling work and coming home and trying to get ready and stuff like that and uh you know uh but uh Hell so yeah. that's that's let's, fine let's yeah. do
1: it but, we'll also, we're I gonna,
2: but what did we do we do like three o'clock three o'clock 3 my time?
1: time yeah so four o'clock my time yeah yeah, yeah. let's do 4 p.m yeah. sunday well i will see you at no. 3 p.m your time 4 p.m my time on sunday and uh until then roger williams author of my favorite book metamorphosis prime intellect which be in the top comment and in the description my favorite book it's a good read it's a fucking it's and i don't need a it's clearly my favorite book so i'm not even gonna go into it more than that <laughs> it's fucking great roger of course as always thank you very much another interesting episode and uh next week we go, sunday next sunday we're going into food processing and and plant or uh, my brain's fried. Right. that's what we're doing sunday you know what it is industry industry and stuff Stay safe, everybody. Be nice to each other. Try to avoid the oncoming civil war. And uh, try to enjoy Thanksgiving. And God bless America. And blah, 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 (laughs) blah. All right, Roger. I'll see you, my man. (laughs) Peace.